Hello, everybody, and welcome to part two of the Lean Toss-Up College Football Podcast for week 13, final week of the college football regular season. I am joined, as always, uh, by my co-host, Buck, Buck Metrics. If you want, go back to listen to part one, where we recap uh, the last week and, and all the, the craziness of some of those games that happened. And here we are now, part two, we're going to give our Narduzzi Awards, our deep dives, and then the official podcast plays. So, what are you, what are your Narduzzi Awards for this week? Okay, so my first Narduzzi Award. Um, I'm going to start with some data points on Indiana. If I just took the metrics that I have for Indiana, I tried to slot them in the G5 conferences. I would have them as last in the American Conference, tied with Temple. I would have them as the 12th best team in the Sun Belt. I would have them as the 10th best team in the MAC. I would have them the 10th best team in the Mountain West and the ninth best team in Conference USA. So is my Narduzzi Award for Tom Allen of Indiana? No. No. Because <laughs> Indiana on the road overcame a 17-point deficit with six minutes left in the third quarter um, over, you guessed it, the guy with the 10-year contract, Mel Tucker in Michigan State. I, I, this is just, it's, it's just nuts. Um, you know, we said, I just kind of made a note in the preseason pod, I wouldn't be surprised if they had a down year. This is really worse than I thought it would be. These kind of losses, really unbelievable. I don't even know how they did it. I saw some of the game, but I don't know how you you blow a lead that big when you win yardage 540 to 288. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's just a lifestyle with this guy now. Um, I can just tell you that nobody in the whole country is praying harder that Texas A&M keeps Jimbo Fisher than Mel Tucker because Jimbo is taking all of the stupid contract oxygen out of the room. Um, but man, as soon as he leaves, it's all going to, I guess the other thing is he can maybe just start to really just kind of hope that Mario just kind of exponentially does Mario things next year too. But man, it's just, it ain't good folks. I don't see it getting better. Yeah. I mean, this now looking back on 2021 Michigan state, this really does look just basically like a product of Kenneth Walker. This is basically yeah. Kenneth Walker was good. He opened up a lot of holes. He let us th he let Peyton Thorne throw the ball a couple times. And now that we don't we don't have someone who can run for six six, seven yards on first down, now we're <laughs> in trouble. And I think that's the that's the real thing, Hernie's Michigan State team. And again, it, it's crazy that we're now seeing this era and, and again Mel Tucker is he doesn't get a lot of attention because He's at I Michigan think, State. Yeah, that's the Michigan State. <laughs> Plus, you've got like the big boys in that in that conference and in, in that division too. Like you've got Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, right? The attention's on them. And to be fair, like although Michigan State has not looked good in some of these games, Indiana is kind of the one game that they've really blown, right? Like it's like okay, they lost to Indiana. Should they've lost to Indiana? No, but like you're Jimbo Fisher. You guys lost to App State. Right, like th there's a big difference there between losing to another team in the Big Ten versus losing to App State, and like kind of getting blown out by App State, like not blown out, but like by losing by a decent margin to App State too. So, like, yeah, it's 
it's pretty crazy. So we're we're gonna have to. Mel Tucker's still one of those guys that that's the the poster child for the bad ten year deal. But like once, yeah, once Jimbo's gone, the spotlight's gonna be on him and on Mario Cristobal to a lesser extent. Well, and for context, as I just as I noted in the open of this one, Indiana would lay way behind App State in the Sun Belt Conference too. <laughs> They're ahead of only Arkansas State at this point. That's true. Um, I actually, I'm reminded as, as you kind of were going through your, your points there of something I tweeted out a while ago. And I think this is really illustrating the point. Now, remember that he has this crazy contract because two super rich alumni threw up the money for this contract. And I, I, I tweeted this out in the context of Auburn, but I think it's applying here. I said, the most successful athletic directors going forward are the ones who can actually make the hard decision and say, guess what? We make a ton of money from media rights. I can just tell these boosters who think they have my job to you know, sit down and shut up and let me do my job, and they can cut me a check or they cannot cut me a check. But they can't make the decisions. And you're seeing what happens when the boosters make the decisions. You have people that don't know how to do the job, trying to do the job, and they screw the job up. All right. Uh, my second Narduzzi award. So Toledo, <laughs> Toledo entered last week's game against Bowling Green, a 14 and a half point favorite. They, they trail late. They take a one point lead with 51 seconds left against Bowling Green. Um, who somehow still has a chance, I guess, at the division now, but, um, Anyways, Toledo takes a one-point lead with 51 seconds left. They go on to give up a six-play, 72-yard touchdown drive in just 38 seconds um, against Bowling Green and a team that they were favored by 14 and a half at home, I believe. Yeah. Um, when we did the MAC preview, I said that Jason Candle, I, I thought it was a stretch to say he's the Pat Narduzzi of the MAC. He has so cemented that now. That is exactly what he is. I hope he loves Toledo because he's never leaving. He's just good enough to win enough to stay there, and he's not good enough to ever get the hell out of there, ever. Quick quick note on that. Bowling Green uh, lost to Ohio as we were recording this podcast, so I believe they are officially eliminated from conference championship, the ability to win the conference, to, to go to the conference championship game. Yeah. So, But yeah, still uh, yeah, great 14.5 point come back like win from 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 bowling green yeah yeah pretty crazy um and then the last one so uh, i this one actually i, I just I, I this one hurts me to say so san diego state beats new mexico 34 to 10 i make front of brady hoke now he's gonna be a push on my season total um win bet going under <sighs> new mexico 10 points so might remember new mexico fired their offensive coordinator five games ago, and since then they've scored a total of 41 points. Good job. <laughs> Way to show them who's in charge there. That's eight points, a little over eight points a game. Um, That's the, the reverse Boise State. <laughs> it is. I think they might have just hired the guy from Boise. They said, oh, you're available? Come on in. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay. Do you have an Unarduzzi this week? Uh, no, I was, I watched a couple games, not that many games. So I don't really have an Unarduzzi this week. Okay. Um, so who's your Unarduzzi? Mine is the Ohio State or Ohio coach, um, Tim Albin. 
I buried him before the season. I thought he had a horrible first season. I thought he was in way over his head. Um, they won tonight, so that makes them seven and one in the MAC. Um, that gives them their division. Um, we'll come back in a second. So their only losses this season. I basically have no problems with any of these losses at Iowa State in a bye game, at Penn State in a bye game, and at Kent State, who has a good offense. Um, going first uh, full circle to my first Narduzzi, Tim Alden's going to be taking on our guy Jason Candle <laughs> in the MAC title game. Mm-hmm. Um, all talent on one side versus all coaching. Uh, and a quarterback. Remember in part one, I said that uh, the Ohio quarterback, I think, was like eighth overall in my, my QB plus. So mm-hmm. might be going with Ohio there. You know, even if the model says not to, if I can have a coaching advantage and a QB advantage, I'll probably do that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. All right. What have we uh, got? What's, what's your deeper dive on today? So my deeper dive, um, I've heard in the last couple of weeks, a lot of people just being real, I don't know, pissy, for lack of a better term, about, oh, I don't care about the football uh, playoff rankings because everybody knows it's just going to be Ohio State and Georgia in the championship game, and this is all a bunch of wasted time, and I don't know why you guys all care about this. <clears throat> so I really thought of any season that it's it's we've seen that, that there's really not been a, quote, dominant per team throughout, given the fact that that dominant team has shifted from Alabama to Georgia to Ohio State, and then back and forth between Georgia and Ohio State. I'm pretty comfortable in saying there's nobody that's a shoe in to make it all the way. Now, there's a couple of favorite teams, but I, I would hardly say that that a Georgia-Ohio State final is inevitable. So I wanted to kind of dig a little deeper. And I got to say, this is probably the the favorite deepest dive I've ever done so far, because usually it's I've got a hypothesis, and I'm going to see is the answer yes or no. And this is a little more open-ended, and I was kind of surprised where this took me. So first I'm talking about Georgia. Why do I think that they um, – what would be the opposite of inevitable? Would it be evitable? I don't know. Um, avoidable? <laughs> the opposite of inevitable would be – yeah, I guess it would be avoidable. Okay. So there's a scenario where I think that there can be a case where, yeah, they're beatable and they're not going to make um, the playoff. Why do I say that? If you saw their four-point win at Mizzou, they looked definitely beatable on that day. And that was on the heels of beating Kent State only by 17 at home. That was a lot more of a game than it should have been. Um, and they're just coming off a Kentucky a game at Kentucky that was actually worse than either of those, game, those games. So... If I do my post-game win expectancy saying, look, based on how each team performed, um, you know, what's the percentage of time that each team would win? So for the Missouri game, Georgia actually had a 56% win expectancy. And at Kentucky, it was 55%. So we can say they're a little lucky to be undefeated at this point. They, you know, statistically probably should have lost one of those games. So they're definitely far from unbeatable. I was looking at to basically the profile of, of Georgia. What's interesting is, and this probably is going to surprise a lot of people, I have them higher rated on offense than defense. They're better on offense, um, but their defense is a lot more consistent. Their offense is all over the place. Um, and this is interesting because this really goes, you know, counter to what I think is the national narrative. 
Um, you know, everybody's saying, hey, Stetson Bennett won the national championship. He's really taking a step up. He's really the guy now. <clears throat> so I dug a little deeper. And if I look at his QB plus by game, um, I only show that he had four games where he was above average in terms of a QB plus rating. The Oregon game, and that was just a talent mismatch, and that was Dan Lanning's first chance to soil his diapers and figure out what it means to be a head coach. South Carolina is not a good defense. Vanderbilt, not a good defense. Tennessee, we spoke about in part one, is really not a good defense when you consider especially the offense and the gifts that the offense gives them against most teams. Um, so the best of these teams, uh, the only ones where he was above average at all, all season, only ranks 53rd in FBS on defense. So if you look at basically how he's performed, he's got kind of a, a barbell or a bit like a bifurcation of his performances. You've got this handful of, of games where he's been just absolutely awesome. And you've got these other ones where he's pretty much an average quarterback. So if I'm looking at basically teams that can make the playoff, who do I think is a surprise threat to them? Actually, and I would have never expected this. I come, I come to Michigan. Because Michigan, I have, is the most well-balanced team in all of college football. I have them as an 11.0 power rating on offense and a 10.4 on defense. I have them as second overall in all in FBS. And they would be, by far, the best defense um, that Georgia could would have faced this season. And I think that they are physical enough to at least move the chains a lot more than what Georgia is used to giving up. Now, I... Pointed out that J.J. McCarthy has his limits. I still think that they could probably run enough. So if we see Michigan locked up against Georgia, I don't think it's a, the same thing as last year. I think that um, I think it could be a lot closer than people expect. Uh, just a couple points on that uh, before you go to the to your next point there. Um you make the point that a lot of people are like, oh, Stetson Bennett, he won a national championship. Well, Nick Foles is a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> so those are the same things. Uh, the thing of it is, I, I actually do agree about that with Michigan. Because, I mean, last year, people uh, the, the spread in Michigan-Georgia was 7.5. Uh, Georgia mm -hmm. crushed them. And kind of unexpectedly, a lot of people thought that game was going to be close. But I, I think the Georgia offense has regressed, and I think their defense has regressed a little bit. Still good, but regressed a little bit. But I think Michigan's offense is better better this yep. year. I think their defense might actually be as good, if not maybe a little better. So I actually I, I do kind of agree with that. I think the gap between those two teams is closed. The question is, though, this is where it gets interesting, Who who's going to be favored in that game and by how much? Like I wonder if the books are are the books going to say we're, we're not going to give you set like I feel like there's a decent chance the books if that game were to happen which again I actually think there's a pretty decent chance we could see a rematch of that game this year I think there's a decent chance the books are going to say we can't lay we can't have Georgia minus seven and a half we got to do Georgia minus like ten and a half or fourteen and a half or something we might actually be able to get better odds we'll have to see um, but. I don't think we're going to get smaller than the seven and a half, but I could definitely see something like Georgia minus 10 and a half, Georgia minus 14 and a half, just because of how imbalanced the game was last year. But I think this Michigan team is just a lot better than last year's team was. So that's something we're going to have to see. Yeah, I would probably make that, I'm guessing about seven, seven and a half, not to copy last year's line. What do I have? 
I and that's not my those. model. That's kind of my market. Just yeah, with. I got pick. I got a pick. Wow. Georgia minus two tenths of a point. So, which I I think that's actually correct. I kind of think pick is yeah. is correct, but well, we'll see. We'll have to see. Yeah. I mean, not I have a ticket on Ohio State to win the national championship, so I I can't really say I hope we see, but mm-hmm. it would be interesting if it falls that way for sure. I would love to see that matchup. I'll, I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then the other quote, inevitable team, Ohio state. Um, why do I think that they are vulnerable and, and are something other than inevitable? Well, if you've seen them, they just generally tend to screw around <laughs> for a while, unless they're really just engaged for whatever reason. If you look at basically here, a group of games here, Notre Dame, Penn State, Northwestern, and Maryland. Combined, they actually trailed those four games 37 to 44 at half. Um, now, this is a team that I have rated by far uh, the best in the country, and their offense is is dominant. I have them three points better than Tennessee, and I have them seven point more than seven points better than the third best offense in the country. Um, so... It's just weird that they just seem to not put it together for long periods of time. I mean, every team has a bad quarter. You're going to have a bad half or two. But when you've got four of your ten games, cumulatively, you're trailing at half um, with kind of varying levels of quality of opponent. Notre Dame, Penn State are both college football ranked. Notre Dame is, I don't think, anything super great. Northwestern stinks. That was tough weather, but you know what? You're still better than Northwestern. And then Maryland was a road game. Yeah. Is that the reason? At this point, you kind of run out of of, of, of excuses, and it's kind of a part of the team's DNA. Um, you just look at two of their last – it's not like they're, they're playing really awesome recently. Of their last three games, two of them have been duds. Um, against Northwestern, I only have them as a 61% postgame win expectancy. And actually, at Maryland, Maryland should have won that game. <laughs> Ohio State had only had a 44% win expectancy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, again, very beatable. And I think they just got lucky by the nature of the or the quality of the opponents that we're talking about there. Now, their offense, going back to just how good they are, not only they're just powerful, but their offense is really consistent from game to game. Um, in only in all but two games, they've been 240 yards or more above expectation which is a ridiculous. They just, they're explosive. I don't know why they're having these problems putting it together, but I'm not going to say that the problem is on offense. I'm thinking that they're so good, they're clearly the best team on offense in the nation that the problem's somewhere on defense. So I was looking in and I said, where, where's, the, where's the vulnerability on defense? So they only had one poor game on rush defense. And that was against Wisconsin, who ran for almost 200 yards on 35 carries, kind of a, you know, what you'd expect from Wisconsin. And <clears throat> that Wisconsin game has kind of started my thought process because, you know, when you and I look at Wisconsin, what do we first think? Graham Mertz. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. what, okay. The, the morbid curiosity is like, what did Graham Mertz do in this game? That's true. Yeah. So then I worked out from there and I said, look at this. What a bunch of stiffs they've played. A quarterback, and I'm not going to go through their schedule, but I'm going to give you a series of numbers. So the best quarterback that they faced in terms of my QB plus is Taulia last week, who actually gave them the toughest game, a game that they should have lost. I have him 41st in my QB plus, which is nice 
but not the kind of that not the kind of QB that should really be giving you a scare. And here's the rest of the where the rest of the quarterbacks that they that they played rank in my QB plus. 49th, 55th, 56th, 67th, 70th, 77th, 81st, 98th, and then two that were not rated because they're too crummy slash don't play enough because their coach doesn't trust them. That is a gaping hole on their their defensive resume. Their defense is not has not had a chance to prove that they can stop a good quarterback. Um, they played an okay quarterback in Taulia, who had a pretty solid game. Um, you know, one other data point is Penn State is the only offense that they faced that's in the top 40 in my metrics. I have them as 17th. Their other opponents average a power rating of minus 2.8, which ranks them 85th in FBS. It's basically like, aside from the Penn State game, they're playing the Cal offense every week. Yeah. How fun would that be if you're <laughs> if you're a Big Ten team? Hey, we're playing Cal again. Cal yeah. again. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing, right? I mean, we've talked about – I've talked for a couple of weeks now how I thought Ohio State could be vulnerable, especially against Michigan. And, like, Michigan actually has a decent defense, and they're actually going to be playing a decent offense now. Like, I think they could be in trouble against yeah. Michigan this weekend. I, I've already bet Michigan, and I, I, think that, I think they could be in trouble. So this is that takes me to so where if they you know if they make the playoff who are the surprise threats that that we see for them? Well, guess what USC as we talked about in part one they're sixth overall in offense and they're sixth in QB plus. Mm-hmm. Um, USC has obvious serious problems on defense, but Ohio State has not seen an offense close to what UC, uh, USC rolls out there. And let's just keep in mind that those stats could probably be higher if you consider that. You know, you should have had Mario Williams and Jordan Addison for four more games each mm-hmm. in there as well. Um, and then TCU, ninth overall in all of FBS and offense and 10th in QB+. Plus. You know, we know what they can do on offense, too. Um, I didn't really start with either of those teams as the teams that could, you know, shock them. But when I looked at the vulnerabilities, it was really interesting that, you know, again, that's not a stretch to say... Ohio State sneaks into number one, and then basically, if they beat Michigan especially, you know, they might have a real game if they face USC or TCU in the first round of the playoff. Mm -hmm. Or even Georgia to an extent, right? Like, Georgia can shut down their offense too, right? So, Yeah. Yeah, I'm... Ohio State is not not nearly as dominant as some people seem to think they are, and I think they could actually have some problems. Um, this year and, and this kind of gets to my kind of deeper dive kind of a shallower dive this week because we don't want it to go too too long but I mean I we're gonna have some really interesting matchups this week again Ohio State Michigan is functionally I guess an elimination game I guess which is a really dumb way to look at it um, but we've got some really interesting matchups this week and then next week obviously too but like Georgia against LSU Georgia is not particularly safe like Georgia could lose to LSU this LSU team is very well balanced um Georgia has been able to take pick apart bad offenses and then like basically get basically get turnovers and points on defense and then just rely on what the offense can do LSU's defense is actually pretty good and if their offense is decent they could potentially give George a bit of a, they could give George a scare, maybe even upset. Remember, we actually do have lines for that game already because it's it's predetermined that game is going to happen. Mm-hmm. That, the spread right now is 15. That's a really high number for 
an LSU team that's actually pretty half-decent and a Georgia team that's suspect at times. So that's something to remember, too. And the question then is, if that happens, then what happens with the rest of the college football playoff, right? How does that affect USC? How does that affect the loser of Michigan-Ohio State, right? So, yeah, it's there's a lot of a lot of unknowns coming into this weekend and also into next weekend, too. Um, again, the, the Ohio State game, Ohio State, like, they have struggled against some de- decent defenses. Um, in that Iowa game, there was moments when they, I was not sure whether or not their offense was going to be able to pull through in that game. Like they were held to a lot of different field goals in that game um, against Penn State. There was a couple moments when they could have lost that game as well. Yeah. Again, Maryland, they they were actually post game win expectancy actually like slight underdogs. This is not the hallmarks of a team that is like the number one team in the country on their way to a dominant like national championship. And again, Michigan is the most balanced team they're going to play. It's a rivalry game. Like last year, Ohio State's one weakness was really strong running backs. They had really they had problems when they played Oregon. They had problems when they played a really good running team. Remember, we all remember last year, um, Hassan Haskins just running through this Ohio State team. Mm-hmm. Now you've got Blake Corum. So there's going to be a hell of a game this weekend. I'm really excited for it, but I would not be surprised if we see Michigan going to the conference championship game and playing Iowa again for the second straight year for some reason. <laughs> Which again, I I still love that because it's going to be so funny because you know that there's going to be like a, a a a press conference where Kirk Ferentz is like, ah, see, back to back, yeah, Big Ten West conference. You can't get you can't fire me for that back to back. Big Ten West. Who who else could do that? Who who else could win the Big Ten West back to back years? I'm I'm like 30 years older than you. Have you seen the movie Good Morning Vietnam? No. Oh boy. All right. I'll just without context, I'll just say I could just see Kirk Ferentz taking the podium as they are awarded the Big 10 West Championship and he just gets up and he says, "I believe some apologies are in order <laughs> to the gathered media." Just there's just like his, he knew all along. I had it. I had it. We, we had this. Yeah. Never in doubt. Never in <laughs> doubt we were going to win the 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 Big 10 West with a what 7 and and 5 record. Yeah. Jesus. I mean it's so funny because it's true and you could st- <laughs> cuz like cuz they were criticized like why not start the other guy they're going to be like oh no see we were right to to keep <laughs> to not start <laughs> yeah. Alex Padilla we were right to start to keep yeah. uh, thank god that's going to be so funny. <laughs> they're gonna be like we were right, uh, but they, it's like so. Then can can Iowa repeat next year? The, the three peat of the Big Ten West. We'll have to see. I don't know. They're breaking a new quarterback. That's asking a lot. Yeah, a lot, a lot of mistakes. <laughs> you just don't re- replace Spencer Peters with just anybody. <laughs> you can't replace Spencer Peters with anybody. <laughs> God, but no, I, I'm actually the thing is, again, like. I never got a chance to, to mention this because we were off for a couple of weeks there for, for my vacation. But like with with the college football playoff, like two weeks ago, when, when the week I, the week I left, um, Alabama lost to LSU and Clemson lost to Notre Dame, and those were functionally elimination games. But like, it's really dumb that that's how we decide who goes to the <laughs> to the playoff, right? Like, don't get me wrong, when LSU beat. Alabama and Clemson lost. I'm like, yes, this is great. These were two fraudulent teams. They didn't deserve to make the playoff. But at the same time, I'm like, but this is also a really dumb way to decide who goes to the playoff and who doesn't. It's like, ah, well, Clemson was undefeated, but they lost to Notre Dame. So that's it for them now. Be like, what? <laughs> like, 
it's such a dumb system, and apparently we, we might have something for 2024, so that's good. We're apparently getting the 12-team playoff for 2024, so hopefully we can stop with this nonsense. Because, like, right now, whether or not USC goes to the playoff can be determined by the margin in this Ohio State-Michigan game. Yeah. Like, if, if this game is decided by a field goal, yeah. USC might lose it, like, might lose it. And they'll come up with some insane justification for why, like, oh, a loss to an undefeated conference champion and not winning your division is better than, than losing to a non-conference champion but winning the conference. Like, they're going to come up with some insane reason to justify whatever they want, right? They're going to yeah. they're gonna decide it and then justify it later. They'll create some new rule that's never been existed before and will never be used again just to justify either having USC in the playoff or not having USC in the playoff, depending on what they decide, right? So yep. getting to the 12-team playoff and getting away from the 14-team playoff where we just make up arbitrary rules to who gets in and who doesn't can, cannot come, cannot come soon enough. So, yeah, agree. So, all right, <clears throat> moving on to the official podcast plays. So these are 41 and 37 on the season. Yeah. We had some serious regression since the last pod We're we're basically yeah. break even. I was just doing the math. We're at 52.5%. So I think it's basically break even. If yeah. you're playing minus minus one ten, Yeah. Yeah. So we've had a couple of good weeks there, a couple of bad weeks, but still, still, I think, a couple more good weeks, though. But so for my first pick of the week, I'm going to go to a team we were just talking about, LSU. I'm going to do LSU minus 10 at Texas A&M. Um, Texas A&M isn't going to a bowl game. I don't think this You're is about Jim. that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like, are they going to fire Jimbo Fisher at the end of the season? I, I, yeah, I, that's, that's a whole nother pod. That is a whole nother <laughs> pod. But no, I mean. This LSU team, we've always kind of underlooked them, and I'm I'm starting to think that this might be kind of like those classic Brian Kelly or Dame games where they just get the job done. Yeah. Like they'll they'll lose to the bigger teams. Well, actually, they haven't been. They've actually been beating the bigger teams. Like they beat Bama. Um, they randomly lost to Florida State, and they randomly lost to Tennessee. But those those Brian Kelly teams, they always beat the teams they were supposed to beat. Right. Like they go play like Boston College, they win and cover like they would go and get the job done against bad teams. Right. This LSU team, I think now, to be fair, the SEC championship game will be Brian Kelly's first conference championship game ever, I believe, unless he played one in his team before at Notre Dame. But I just think this I think this LSU team just gets the job done. And honestly, Brian, this LSU team has really flown under the radar. We thought they were not great. After their first, after their week one loss to Florida State, but honestly, this team has been actually pretty good in the last, basically since that loss. So, yeah, give me LSU here. I think this Texas A&M team is just in 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 real big trouble right now. So, so give me LSU minus ten. It's a bit iffy because they could be looking ahead to to Georgia next week, but I think LSU can get the job done here against Texas A&M. Okay. Uh, we're at that point of the season where whatever the advantages my model detects, especially in weeks five, six, and seven, uh, kind of dissipate. And my, my model kind of lines up with the market. So not a lot of plays this week. Um, the only number or the only play against the number that I have this week is San Jose state giving 14 and a half hosting Hawaii. Uh, San Jose state had another disappointing game. Um, I'm showing a, pretty good variance between what my model and the market has here. I think probably some of that might be, this is getting forgotten in, in the light of that whole horrible Virginia tragedy. Uh, but remember San Jose state had a player die a few weeks ago. They've not been quite the same since. Um, but I think notwithstanding Hawaii and their, 
mini kind of pretend resurgence last week against my rebels, which just makes me weep. Um, I think San Jose State's just just much much better than Hawaii, and especially at home, uh, I think it's a good spot for them. And I think, um, I think this might be their first home game since that player died, so they might really have a little special something oomph on Senior Day too. So, yeah, that and that makes a lot of sense. I kind of like that. My next play is I'm I've mentioned this already in the pod. I'm just going to make it official. Michigan plus seven and a half at Ohio State. We're playing Michigan in the big game here, um, and also money line too. I I actually really do like Michigan in this spot. I think they I think they cover and I think they also win this game. So, I, I my model has Michigan as slight favorites. So give me the uh, the M or they the, no the wolf the Wolverines I guess. But give me the, give me the M. Give me the Wolverines here. Um, we're we're going we're going the Wolver. I bet on Ohio State this game last year, so let's see. Uh, we're going the opposite way this year. Let's see. Uh, let's see if we can't get a win with uh with Michigan here. Okay. Um, when I was making the case um for why Ohio State might be vulnerable to kind of piggyback off of your your pick and take it another place, um, I mentioned that they are seven points better than the third best offense in all of FBS, and people won't believe me and I kind of have a hard time believing it, but it's very consistent. That third best offense in all of the FBS by Buck Metrics model is the Florida State Seminoles. And um, I think, I, I try not to use I think, but I'm not seeing the market quick to react to how good this offense is. I think they're just in general a little behind on how good Florida State is, and that's going to be in the notebook for looking ahead to next year. But particularly on offense, I think because Jordan Travis – had been so crappy his first two years. People kind of don't believe it, or they just kind of wrote him off and threw him in the bin already. But uh, my model loves um, not just Florida State's offense, but Florida State qualifies as an elite offense. And when you have an elite offense and the model says it's going to be more than, that projects a total of seven or more above the market, you grab that over, and that's exactly what it is here. Maybe your buddy, Anthony Richardson, can do his part and have one of those crazy run for 90 and throw for 190 and, and do crazy Anthony Richardson things game. So over 57 and a half. Mm. Yeah, that was the thing about, because like with the Vanderbilt game, I think Anthony Richardson threw for like 400 yards or something. <laughs> it was some insane thing. And I'm like, if you had told me, like if you said, okay, so... Um, Anthony Richardson against uh, he's going to play Vanderbilt and he's going to throw for what's the number here? I want the right number here. He's going to throw for 400 yards for three passing touchdowns. And then you play Vanderbilt. I'm like, oh, so they won like 50 to 10, right? Blowout, right? Yeah. No, it was. uh, It wasn't really a close game. Because his his opponent, Mike Wright, was 10 for 16 for 108 yards and three touchdowns. Which like, what? Like, yeah, it's insane. He threw for more yards than than Vanderbilt had in total. So, such a weird game. But what do you think about the spread in that game? Do you think um, do you like Florida plus nine and a half? I'm debate. My model has Florida State like minus eleven, I think. But nine and a half is close to that. I'm debating debating yeah, it. Yeah, I think. Let me pull that up real quick. I think my model had that as pretty fair. Definitely didn't have that as super aberrant. I th- let me see. That's on Friday, right? Yeah, Friday. I, yeah, I got Florida State minus eleven. And a half, basically, 11.4. I've actually got, yeah, okay, here we go. I've got, I've got this a 20 point game. 
Wow. Which is just in that kind of maybe, maybe not. Um, what's weird is, yeah, this is what's interesting that it's 10 is in that gray area. Once it gets over 11, it's, it's full on go. And that's when it becomes an official model play. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what's, what's weird though, even though, and I'm still kind of learning this part of it. Um, there's a huge discrepancy in that in terms of the margin between my model and the market. But the money line is basically right on market. Um, the implied fair money line is 355, and Florida State is on my guy just minus 320. So there's like a two percent fair, you know, variance there, which is you know I'm not that's still in a cushion for me. So mm-hmm. weird. I was hoping to get something better with such a discrepancy. So um, yeah, fair. So all right, so for my next play, uh, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna call this the Sicko's play of the week. Oh, I, think, I can't I, wait. I think you, you know where I'm going with this. Nebra- I don't, so talk ne- slowly. <laughs> Nebraska plus ten and a half versus Iowa. Oh God. I mean we all remember we've talked about this game from last year so many times where oh, Nebraska yeah. had a what, <laughs> seventeen or like a some multiple score, fourteen point lead or something. Yeah, I had Nebraska money line or Nebraska plus one or something. I can't remember which one. Um, just a rough game. They did end up losing it, but at that being said, though they only lost it by less than a score, so I'm getting more than a score here. So I think that's fine. I think I think it's good now. I'm getting like plus ten. The thing is, this Iowa team has randomly decided to just <laughs> kick the crap out of some random teams the last couple of weeks. Spencer Petraeus just deciding to to throw a bunch of passing touchdowns. Um, What's I don't the know total in that one. Um, Nebraska's hot off that 14 to 15 loss to Wisconsin that we talked about in yeah. part one. That's got to be like in the low 30s, right? 38, 38. It's kind of Thir- high. 38 and a half. It is kind of <laughs> high. But I don't know. I, give me the 10 points. I think that's. T- I think 10 points. It is a rivalry game. I think the 10 points is, is a bit too much. So we'll, we'll see. But I, I'm taking Nebraska here. It's, oh, it's a sorry, nice set. It's a nice, it's a nice Black Friday play. There's not a ton of games on. Well, there's some games on Black Friday, but it's a nice, nice to have a couple of Black Friday plays too. Yeah. All right, my final play, um, Kansas State again, an elite offense, and it's got that, um, it's got that spread here. I've got a total of sixty-two point five. I think. Uh, uh, sorry, the market's sixty-two point five. That's what I bet. I think my my model has this closer to seventy. Kansas State is an elite offense. Kansas is not quite an elite offense, but they are a great over team in that their offense is nice and their defense has been super, super obliging when they're facing good offenses. See last week against Texas, for an example. Um, I like this one, two overs and one against the spread so far for me. Yeah, I wouldn't... I, I kind of I don't hate that. I don't hate Kansas spread and maybe Kansas money line either. I don't know. Well, this Kansas team has been really frustrating, and and I think this is also potentially a mark on Lance Leopold, but I'm not sure completely how much of it it is or not, because like randomly some games they look amazing, but then other games they just get completely blown out and they they're never able to completely come back in it, and it's weird. And it, I don't know exactly how much of that is his fault. I mean, to be fair, he. He's basically completely rebuilt this team. We have no idea what it will look, what it will slash might have looked like in week year three if he gets another head coaching job, right? So, but like, say he gets the, and I, I saw a rumor there he gets Nebraska, right? Which I think is a half decent fit. But like, say he gets Nebraska, right? How much he'll have much better talent, right? So will that fix some of the defense? Will that not, right? So, 
because the defense really seems to be the problem for this Kansas team. If they actually had a defense, then a lot of these games would be a lot closer. Right? If they could actually rely on getting a stop here or there rather than just having to keep scoring points, I think this team could be really, really good. So I don't mind a spread bet, maybe a money line bet here too. Kind of like the over as well. I, I don't, I don't, I think this Kansas team. We got one more game with this, team, with this Kansas team after this. They, they're going to a bowl, but I think we can get maybe we can squeeze out maybe one more Kansas win <laughs> here this year. I think, especially with a double-digit spread. So let's let's go Kansas one more time. Um, for my last play, uh, I'm gonna go Oklahoma minus two or money line at Texas Tech. Um, it my, money line is minus one thirty. So it depends if you want to lay the money line or the minus one ten. You lay both too. Um, I, I think we were we were on this last week. We were on Oklahoma last week when they were minus seven against Oklahoma State. I think the market is kind of a little slow to react to how good Oklahoma actually is. I think they're actually better than a lot of people think. And I think that um, if we have um, when you, when your Texas Tech is not nearly as good as some people think, I think Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel is actually pretty is pretty half decent. So. I think they could definitely cover this number and just straight up win outright against Texas Tech. I don't think Texas Tech is that good, so let's go with the Sooners here. I think if that makes if that makes sense. Yeah, um, you know, Oklahoma's notwithstanding that weird game against Oklahoma State last week, they've had some real challenges on defense. Um, Texas Tech, I think. What's interesting, going back to the last two games, we've talked about Texas Tech and Kansas. I think we saw those both of those teams struggling to kind of work their their quarterbacks returning back and Tyler Shuck and um, uh, Jalen Daniels. So I don't know if there's still going to be some rust there, but Texas Tech really, really struggled to do anything against Iowa State. They were lucky to win that one. So that'll be an interesting thing to keep your eye on is, you know, is Oklahoma's defense up to, you know, dealing with a Texas Tech offense that's kind of, still trying to figure out exactly what they are with the, as they're bringing their, their starting quarterback back. So, yeah. Um, so my model plays, um, I'll tweet them out on, uh, probably, th- yeah, probably Thursday on Thanksgiving night, since that's a great time and everybody really is interested in college football plays mm-hmm. <laughs> on Thanksgiving night. Um, just a recap for the season against the spread. My model plays are 25 and 19. Money line, we took a hit the last few weeks, uh, 14 and 19 plus uh, plus 8% ROI. Unders, my favorite and my strongest plays are 11 and 2 on the season. Overs are 4 and 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dual model plays. So the dual model plays, um, these are where both your and my model see a touchdown discrepancy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, these are 37 and 25 on the season. The best group of plays that we've had so far. So Four of them here. Kent State at Buffalo. Um, I am showing Buffalo is uh, should be a six-point dog. You're showing that they should be a 12-point dog. Buffalo is actually giving four. So we both like Kent State there. We both like Louisville. Um, this is interesting. Um, you're showing that basically Louisville's a touchdown better. This is surprising. I'm showing that they're six points better. They're getting three and a half. Um, I th- I thought that my model was kind of biased for some reason towards Louisville, and you like them even more than I do. 
Um, yeah, I was I was actually surprised by this too. I thought I was like, oh, my mom really weirdly likes Louisville, but your mom likes it too. So I'm like, okay, this this is the thing, right? Because like sometimes I look at a game, I'm like, oh, that's wrong, but then I see your mom, I'm like, okay, yeah. maybe. I will play that. Um, yeah. I think that Kent State game is on Saturday too, so I'll play that probably. Here's one that I definitely will not play. Um, <laughs> and I was really sad that um, <laughs> that we agreed. It's scary that we agreed so closely on this. Colorado is getting 30. Um, for some reason, I'm showing that they should be getting 14, as are you. I think that that's probably because there's a lot of mercy in some of our metrics where other teams just say, you know what, we're tired of beating up on you. We're going to put the let some guys are in some Letterman's jer- uh, jackets here against Sorry, Colorado. So it's a dual model play, but it's not a uh, buck metrics play for sure. You going to grab the, the Buffaloes in 30 there? No, I, I don't think I will. The, the thing of it is like my model, although it's really good for games against like relatively evenly matched teams, like it doesn't have like muffed punt return touchdowns, <laughs> pick six, like because the thing is that's the kind of stuff that will happen in this game, right? Yeah. Like you like Colorado could go Owen like Owen like three and out punt punts blocked return for like and then they're already down seven right before they even get the ball on offense right like that's the kind of stuff that happens in games like this i've learned that like sometimes the model says there's value on this like massive spread but sometimes it's not worth it to touch that just leave it alone yeah no they have like the the find a way to suck just the the negative intangibles where it's like any way that we can we can just shoot ourselves in the foot Mm -hmm. and just hide it from the stat sheet we will find a way over the course of a season several times like pick sixes short fields fumbles like all kinds of there's so many things so many things that could go wrong it's not worth it yeah you know what yeah if there was like a prop bet of like where's the game where you think you're most likely to see a fair you know a, a punt fair caught at the two yard line I'd take Carol Colorado here because they just do stupid things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and then the last one, coming back to one of our favorite teams. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll play this, but, you know, with the confirmation of your model, I probably will. Duke, I show as a touchdown better than Wake Forest. You have them two touchdowns better than Wake Forest. And they're getting a field goal and a hook. So might just tuck myself into that one. I will say that, like looking at that line though, like the seeing that three, like I I saw that line before I saw my model, and I'm like, that's deeply suspicious. <laughs> like Wake Forest is a better team than that; they're only laying three and a half against Duke. That's suspicious. And then sure enough, the model has Duke. So I I don't maybe I don't hate Duke here. Like when you see a fishy line like that, where it's like that yeah. line should be bigger and then it's not, you then start thinking, okay, why isn't it line that? why isn't it bigger, right? And it's because the books know what they're doing, right? The books know that Duke's going to win this game, but they can't have Duke fate. They can't have like Duke, min- they can't put Duke minus two and a half up there because then everybody, everybody's going to bet Wake Forest, right? So they have to put something like Duke, like Wake Forest minus three and a half, right? So. Yeah, this is my stage whisper. It's really cool to be smart enough to know this is why the line is suspicious and yeah. we both know it. <laughs> That's the thing, right? <laughs> yep. So, there are the four plays. It sounds like you and I will probably be playing two or three of those. There's one that we definitely will not be playing. <laughs> yeah. And um, that's all, except I have one question for you. Since you brought together two things that I love, I didn't know that you guys have Black Friday in Canada. Oh, okay. So if I think of Canada, the first thing I think of is poutine. So is poutine going to be on a Black Friday special, or will that not be? 
I'm sure somewhere there will be a Black Fr- <laughs> Somewhere it'll be like buy one poutine, get one free on Black Friday or something. Okay. Probably. I was kind of being Michael Scott stupid there, but if if if, if I could find one, I definitely would up there. I'll see so. what I could find. Yeah, no, I mean, because the thing of it is, like, the reason we actually have Black Friday sales in Canada is because, like, I think it's the status, I think, like, I think 90% of Canadians live within, like, 100 kilometers of the U.S. border. Mm. So what happens is we basically had to start doing Black Friday sales because if not, people would just drive to the U.S. on Black Friday. And then they'd, uh, lose all the, they'd lose the money. So they're like, all right, I guess we'll just start doing Black Friday sales. And then sure enough, it caught on. So Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, happy Black Friday to you and to all the listeners. Yes. And happy uh, Thanksgiving to everybody. Yes. Happy happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners. Um, and, and yeah, sit back. Enjoy. A really, well, I mean, there's also some NFL football on Thursday, too. That's always nice. Sitting back on a nice... Well, cause I don't again. It, it depends on when you have turkey. I I don't know. There's no standardized time when everybody eats turkey on on Thanksgiving. But yeah, like sitting back. I mean, for me, it's good. Like I don't. We don't have Thanksgiving, right? So for me, thir- like thir- Thanksgiving Day in the U.S. was always just a random school day. So like I'd like I'd start having lunch at like noon and just like start watching football. So it was always good for me because I don't actually have Thanksgiving on that day. But for yeah, so you guys get to you guys get to sit back and 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 watch some football and. Have some turkey. So, yeah, enjoy that. And we will see you back next weekend where we're going to preview the conference championship games. Going to be a lot of really interesting games next weekend. A lot of interesting games, a lot of important implications for the postseason. So see you guys next week on our podcast and uh, enjoy Thanksgiving.